You're listening to Geographical Thinking, where ideas, stories, and conversations are shared through the lens of geography. I'm your host, Guan Yu. We're continuing our summer series, Advice for People Starting Out on Their GIS Careers. This is a three-part series. We're listening in on a roundtable taped for a young professional network, where seasoned professionals answer questions about their own careers in the field. Last time, they talked about what they wished they'd known earlier on in those careers. And before we get into this episode's questions, let me introduce the panel again. We have Joanne Fox, Manager of Business Analytics, Intelligence, and Reporting from Edmonton Police Service. Jeff Lamb, Manager of Partnerships and Special Projects at York Region. Will Cadell, CEO and founder of Spark Geo Consulting and Chris North, Director of Technology Adoption at Esri Canada. The question they were asked is a timely one. What is the best geospatial technology investment for organizations and businesses post-pandemic? And Joanne Fox gave the first response. It's actually a really good question. And it kind of brings me back to, you know, I was told a while ago, um, you never you never waste a good crisis. Like the pandemic is a crisis. It's unprecedented. It's scary. Um, but this is a great opportunity to showcase um, what GIS and what location analytics can help us do um, in humanity, really all across the world. And so I think even just going back to work and I, I mean, I think most of us are working from home. Um, going back to work, uh, there needs to be a strategy, right? We, we need to have some social distancing. A lot of offices are, the cubicle spaces are too small and they're close together um, because we've all, you know, have this culture of teamwork and collaboration and we want to be together. Um, one of the great things with GIS is, and Chris mentioned this before, is that it kind of hits, it hits on every type of technology. So um, virtual reality or augmented reality um, uh, we see GIS indoors now, mapping out the space indoors, uh, the internet of things, um, having accessibility to these sensors and this kind of insatiable urge for everyone to have the answer, um, in real time. They don't want to wait any longer, um, you know, a day or two to see what happened two days ago. They want to know what's going on now. Um, and so I think with just kind of going back to your question a little bit more specifically around COVID is that there's a great opportunity here to leverage some of these technologies um, and integrate GIS into them. So, um, you know, we have the John Hopkins, the, the COVID tracking application and making that more real time and everything, especially in a pandemic, is really the focus on that is the location. Um, where people have been, um, what they might have been exposed to, all of those types of things. Um, so I think kind of having you know, a focus on those kind of real-time technology, the, the dashboarding, um, having these sensors in place and, and, and providing kind of real-time updates um, to different organizations really at, at, at any capacity at the municipal level, um, me speaking from a law enforcement background, um, and as well, you know, even just, even though it's newer, kind of that indoor GIS is being able to plan 
and track who's been where indoors so that you can kind of mitigate um, the risk of exposure if somebody does come down with COVID-19, right? So I think there's a lot of opportunity there and I'll, I'll stop there. I'll let um, Jeff and Will and Chris take it from there. If there's ever been a good time to think about not having all your data on the server beside your desk, this is it. Um, I think this is a great time to be thinking deeply about the cloud I think this is a great time to be thinking deeply about moving all your infrastructure to a place that doesn't necessarily need to have a bunch of people, um, you know, massaging it, hovering around it, turning it on and off. I think, uh, the, you know, I, I really think that this sort of pandemic environment highlights a couple of things. One, knowledge workers don't really need to be anywhere they, because they can, by their very nature, be everywhere at the same time. Uh, if you have your resources in a secure cloud environment, then you can plug into them from anywhere, which means that, uh, again, uh, in the event of a pandemic, you can access those resources relatively easily. Uh, and I think um, if if organizations haven't got to the point where they, where they are in the cloud, those organizations that are, are are already there are seeing much less disruption than those who are not there. And I think now is 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 underlining that um, that trend, which you know I, I I would say some sophisticated organizations had already adopted, uh, but you know like there's plenty of other organizations who are very sophisticated who just hadn't hadn't quite got there for for whatever reason inertia. Um, sort of internal politics, whatever, now they're beginning, now there's no real excuse anymore. So I think if I was to say there's one capital investment that organizations should be making, it's in transitioning to a cloud-based environment, probably probably a cloud agnostic environment. So lots of Kubernetes and containerization, blah, 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 blah. So you can sort of move from different cloud environments to different cloud environments. But that's that's a little bit know maybe too technical in in essence philosophically have your resources in a place where where they are accessible remotely uh, and 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 move on from there and of course have teams that are um capable of communicating remotely and 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 doing all that thing but i would hope that as knowledge workers were largely there anyway um uh, but but yeah the the cloud underlined underlined exclamation mark exclamation mark <laughs> both Will and Joanne hit on some of my points too, but I think I'll just reiterate. So, you know, about a year ago, the Globe and Mail put out an article called uh, Canada's Data Deficit. I'm not sure. It was quite an, quite an argument to say that we don't have our data house in order. And in York Region, you know, we really were concerned about how disconnected all of our systems were, how disconnected our business was. And we were struggling at the time to get mind share with senior managers well in a in a un you know undesirable event event i mean it's not we don't want COVID to happen but honestly we all need to be selling right now and when i say selling not in the used car salesman kind of way but we need to be showing our organizations the value of this technology and showing them you know real world benefits to using it now immediately because we need to get our, our data house in order and, and we've done that in York Region. You know, our website, corporate website, has gone from 20,000 hits a month to, as of yesterday, 2.5 million hits just on our dashboard, our data dashboard. 
And there's a lot, I mean, it looks nice in the front end, but there's a lot going on in the background to keep it together because our systems were so disconnected and so broken. So, so the investment I would make is use GIS as the common location or the common integration tool um, so that we can get to that single source of truth. Whether it exists in the cloud or whether it exists internally, let's just get it all in the same spot because location is the common denominator. And in a pandemic, there's no stronger business case than you know contact and case management or and case tracking. So my three points, you know, move go all in right now on on selling the value of what we do. Connect our systems, and if you're in a two-tier government like we have, we used Esri's technology to connect to our local municipalities so that we have a single source of truth. And then invest in people because um, you know digital literacy is important. We all know the value of this technology, but we have to invest in 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 everyone so that they can use it too. So uh, those are the areas we're we've spent a lot of time in York Region on. Uh, still ways to go. Systems are old, and and you know the vision is single source of truth in the cloud, master data management. But we're not there yet, so we have to use everything we have at our disposal to solve this problem. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I certainly wholeheartedly agree with the accessibility data. I remember, and, and now I, re I cannot remember, I apologize, I cannot remember the name of the publication, but I read an article during all this COVID thing. I've read many articles during all this. And uh, the headline was, this is our first data-driven pandemic. Um, and I thought that was just a, such a fantastic way of phrasing it. And they went on to talk about how we're, we've got all these dashboards and to Jeff's point, you know, how data is the fuel of this. Um, and, 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 you know, and the point we've made about how the applicability, but there's something else I think that we need to invest in that this COVID um, has shone a light on. And, and that is the notion that we really, uh, most organizations still fear and distrust, and I think it's misplaced fear and misplaced distrust. Uh, you know, I could pick on the cloud, but just of digital data and digital information in general. And I think one of the things that we've seen in this COVID thing um, is that we have seen a lot of... Um, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, uh, so throwing the value of what we could have done around managing the pandemic. There's been so much fear and so much concern about privacy and and misinterpretation of the data that the data has been held on to. Um, and I think the data has been held on to uh, far too tightly. Um, you know, and it's, it's like I'm really going to date myself now by by uh, using lyrics from a 38 special song, oh, um, wow. which would yeah exactly, which is uh, the song is called "Hold On Loosely But Don't Let Go," right? And I and I think that that's what we need to do with our data. Now that's of course the song is all about a, a romantic relationship, but I think the truth is about our, our our data. We're we hold on too tightly to that data. We don't get the full value out of it. And I think one of the things that we have to really invest in, um, it's not so much a capital thing in terms of the technology of cloud, and which we do, um, and the technology of integrating systems and infrastructure, which we do. 
But I also think we need to really sit down when the dust is settled from this thing and say, all right, you know, how do we make data available? How do we address the concerns and our ability to get value out of that information? And I really hope that that's something that comes out of this uh, yep. pandemic fallout. And, and, and we have to look at policies. I mean, this is a policy discussion because, you know, we have uh, various uh, policies in place that do sort of make it restrictive. So even communication around those policies yeah. and understanding them because, yeah, it's a big, it's a big challenge. And that, and, and that goes back to saying that it's, it's not so much the technology, but the mm -hmm. policies and, and, and practices, mm -hmm. right? Um, speaking for myself in law enforcement, um, you know, we have quite a ways to go in putting our data into the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, the industry has a way to go to protecting that data, for example, on Canadian soil and having servers in, on, in, in mm. Canada, right? So, um, but it ha I have to say that, you know, being in school, um, in the early 2000s, and I think starting working, we have come such a long way. And it's to the work and to the credit to people like yourselves, Jeff, where you're making the data open for everybody. Because I, I remember, you know, it wasn't so much about the GIS, but how do I get the data? How do I buy the data to get that? And it was so yeah. expensive. Yeah. Um, and now it's available, you know, it's a lot more available now than it is, but it does have a long way to go. Yeah, sure I I think you know back to the audience is going to be listening to this the, the 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 students that are graduating now I think they are going to be critical in doing what we're talking about because I think that they have a a comfort level and a familiarity with cloud with you know sharing information with accessing things with device they're 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 sort of you know they're not going to have the fear of it i think they have a respect comes mm -hmm. to privacy there's you know mm -hmm. the settings on my whatever instagram profile i think they understand that that can that that's how they protect themselves but they're they have that comfort and they have that desire to share. Whereas, you know, the, the generations that we bump into are, nope, shut it down, lock shut it up. Uh, and because take the risk. And then to Will's point, uh, something like COVID comes along and, oh, guess what? We can't even do our basic work. We can't even fire up our GIS desktops. Why? Well, because nobody thought to allow access to the license manager through the firewall, let alone the data, right? So we're, we're, we're dead in the water everywhere you turn. The notion of open data in general is such a, such a powerful enabler for new technology. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, we, we see it, we see it every day in the, in the sort of tech sector. Uh, I'm super excited by what might happen with the RCM mission and open data. I think that's going to be super valuable for the earth observation. And I, and I reflect on what's happened with the European space agency and the access to Sentinel. Um, I sat on a, on a panel, sort of panel in Amsterdam last year you know, back when we were able to get on planes and things. And um, it was a startup panel and six out of seven startups were based on Sentinel or open data. And you think about that, you think, okay, six out of seven technology startups in one part of Europe were based on 
free access to Earth observation data. New interesting things from like parking apps to various other different things, all based on free data. You think, okay, so you know what? We're, we have RCM, we have a constellation that's, a, that's about to kick off. Uh, we'll see data from it, I'm sure, any day now. But um, having access to a free, you know, robust source of, of radar data would be amazing. Um, what can the Canadian citizenry create from that? I think that would be a tremendous advantage for for uh, for a bunch of people who are sitting in their basements, twiddling their thumbs, looking for something to do. Will Cadell finishes this episode. He was joined by Chris North, Jeff Lamb, and Joanne Fox. In our next episode, the final of this three-part series, our seasoned professionals will talk about what advice they will give students or anyone starting out in GIS. They have some really good ideas about how to make yourself stand out to employers. Well worth a listen, and do feel free to share these episodes with anyone you think might find them helpful. And to see all the YPM videos or join the Esri Canada's Young Professional Network, go to esri.ca slash YPN or find Esri Canada YPN on LinkedIn. This podcast is brought to you by Esri Canada, a technology company that empowers people and organizations by the science of where. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.